0: everyone and welcome to what would my shrink say a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes you'll never be the same hey Todd Dr. Wigman do you ever feel like an imposter man
1: (laughs) you know um, I pride myself these days on collecting the maybe minutes or hours where I don't feel like an imposter Wow, you know, I'm starting to rack a few up. I'm starting to feel fairly competent in a few areas. No, I think this is a really common thing. Is what I'm saying. I think many, many, many people deal with the imposter syndrome.
0: The the imposter syndrome. I like that. Makes it sound more dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> the imposter yeah. syndrome.
1: Yeah. They're coming out with a new movie the, called The Batman. The Batman. Is it? It's not Batman. It's a and, yeah, one. it's like
0: another reboot. You put the in front of something. The Batman. Intensifies, yeah. yeah. Well, when you it, when it's the like fifth iteration, like yeah. you gotta you're scraping the bottom of the barrel to try and distinguish yourself. <laughs> I call it the, yeah. okay, but yeah, imposter syndrome. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is something that's fairly common that people struggle with. Um, let's kind of define it real quick. Like, how would you? How do you think about imposter syndrome?
1: Um, it, it's a sense that uh, other people sometimes are going to find out you are not as qualified, well-read, smart, intelligent, competent as, as mm-hmm. they think you are.
0: Yeah. So this is w- one thing that I always wonder about with this, so I'm glad we're talking about it, is is in general, do people with imposter syndrome, is it that they don't really believe that they are capable and competent? Or it's, do they think it's that other people mm-hmm. will think that they're not
1: competent? You know, the the only way I've heard this presented is is in the context of other people you know I, I and and but
0: it could go both ways it could I think be so. it could be that i, I so. feel incompetent and i'm worried other people are going to discover that's the case or i feel competent but i'm worried that other people are going to think i'm incompetent hmm yeah that you think it's the first one yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah okay that's what i do too i just wanted to kind of that's
1: my notion anyway yeah, yeah so
0: it's like you feel like you're like oh my god i just got promoted to manager and like i don't have any experience being a manager like right. i i can't do this like i'm like i've been doing it for the last couple of months but like yeah. that's just because people haven't caught on and don't realize that i really have no idea what i'm doing here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right yeah. that does that kind of i that's feel like that the, gets at that imposter that's what syndrome, i right? think
1: imposter yeah that, that's what i think it is yeah
0: yeah so you feel like you've been put in a situation like kind of unfairly, like you don't deserve the or, situation you're or in. Or
1: you've just gotten yourself into a situation or you just are in a situation yeah. where you just don't feel as confident as everybody else around you mm-hmm. maybe thinks you are and you're really worried that they're going to see that.
0: Yeah, so that's the double whammy of imposter syndrome, I think, is that it, it's not only like a lack of confidence, like, boo, I can't handle this. I'm in a situation I can't handle. Mm. It's that plus this like social anxiety part Mm -hmm. that is, and other people are going to realize it and God, I'm going to be embarrassed Mm -hmm. or like ashamed when that happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really, that's part of why this is such a gnarly thing to struggle with is because it's, it really is like a double whammy of difficult emotion.
1: Yeah. It's, it's such an interesting, um, uh, it requires that perception of others, perception of self relative to others, right? Mm -hmm. To formulate the imposter syndrome to say, Oh, I don't think I'm who they think I am.
0: But it's, because it, I think there's a, there's a lot of people who sort of lack self-confidence, basically. They sort of go through life thinking like, well, I don't know if I'm really, you know, up to snuff on this kind of stuff. Or, but it's, it's so much, it's that plus, and I'm constantly like scanning for, to make sure no one else realizes yeah. that I'm a fraud, right? Uh, yeah. It's hard enough feeling like a fraud, not to mention like spending all your time making sure no one knows it. No, it, it's it, like, it, so it's, there's anxiety, but there's just like exhaustion too that goes with imposter syndrome, I <laughs> yeah, think. Yeah. Like it's crazy exhausting. Like a high burnout. Oh, yeah. you're in there.
1: Yeah. 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 So
0: that like, man, I just like feel yeah. for these people because it's,
1: uh, You know what's incredible? Uh, this is one area of my job though, um, and we've talked about this before, where you really get to learn from a lot of people as a psychologist. Mm. You get to hear their experience. And one of the things uh, I've been impressed by over the years mm. is that, man, do a lot of really competent people feel this way. Yeah, You know, it is amazing how many, you know, people that you kind of, you have a sense of them outside the room um, and they're very successful in lots of ways, but they are, you know, still share this terrifying feeling that they are not up to snuff in everybody else's eyes or, or they're gonna find out.
0: I would almost bet the incidence of imposter syndrome increases in proportion to how generally successful a person is. Mm. I think you actually see it more the kind of higher up the ladder people get, whatever that may be, whether it's the corporate ladder or the, you know, athletic ladder or the social stand I don't know. Like I think it's more common in or it's it certainly seems to appear more often in people who are in fairly high situations.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: that's my the people I work with. It they're often like, you know, like I, a couple that come to mind are like one who's a pretty high profile attorney, right? Mm-hmm. Who's like mm-hmm. you know argues trials and is like very well known and respected in his community, mm-hmm. and another one is a like a, a very like a I think brilliant engineer and like scientist who's really mm-hmm. so it's. I, uh, part of it is like a pressure thing, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, like the, it's, the, the letters in the degree or the letters after the name—they don't really matter. You know, this this, uh, this this syndrome attacks everybody.
0: Well, but I almost think it—they do matter, but they don't—they matter in a like a negative way. It's like because
1: I've got these letters after my name, mm. I should be. There's a bigger expectation. Yeah, on me. totally. Maybe it adds to that. Belief. I think it adds to it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I that, that I that I should conduct myself in a way that is exemplary because um in the fact that I struggle with that. Yeah. You know. So
0: st- so how do you like conceptualize imposter syndrome? Is it just because one way you could look at it is it's basically like perfectionism plus social anxiety. You have Im- like impossibly high standards for yourself and you're super worried about what other people think of you. Mm-hmm. Is that are we missing something there? Like is that uh like how do you think about it?
1: Um well I mean, I I think this is a a deep-seated kind of issue, or it can be for a lot of people, just the idea that they're not good enough, you know? Um, And so this is a common kind of uh, core belief in a lot of disorders. But does
0: that, does it, in your experience, does it generalize? Like for me, a lot of my clients are, they feel like imposters in their work, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem to really come up much in their personal life or in their hobbies or stuff like it's really like at work where I where I see it a lot. Right.
1: No, I agree. I agree. So it's kinda context driven.
0: It can't be so then it can't be like completely sort of deep seated and generalized. Right. Because if it was really
1: no 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 I I just meant that you you do see that a lot in other things. So you do have a toolkit already kind of available to address some of those um those kind of beliefs, even though they might be kind of context specific. Gotcha. You you do have some of those um skills. Um but that's one way to maybe. address
0: people's sense of unworthiness.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So, like, what, how would you think about that? Like, if you got someone who feels unworthy of this new promotion, they just got to work.
1: Y- yeah. You know, this is one area I might kind of tally up success, some successes because these people usually are fairly competent enough to kind of look around and, and and evidence means something to them sometimes. So oh, okay. they can kind of look at their performance and go, actually I am doing okay and I've just gotta remind myself of that when these thoughts come up and So the problem um, is
0: like a mindlessness one. They they sort of discount their successes right. and and only focus on the negatives and mm-hmm. so kind of forcing them to really recall and keep those successes
1: front yeah, and center. And addressing those perfectionistic kind of thoughts as well, this, in, in a similar way. Yeah. You know, not to reinforce those kinds of ideas. Um, and and to, to, to address that, we'll do lots of things like have clients make mistakes on purpose, you know, mm. to kind of make them look very vulnerable, to kind of keep the idea that they can tolerate those situations pretty yeah. well, yeah. yeah.
0: I find with a lot of people, my, um, like a core process going on for people is that they they have a very long history of using self-criticism as a motivational strategy, <laughs> right? So they, they really, they're like the hard-ass drill sergeant on themselves. Um, yeah. And that they've they've done this for a long time, and because because they've done this to themselves constantly, and because they've sort of succeeded fairly well, in, you know, in school and career and whatever, they kind of assume that they those two things are related causally. Like mm-hmm. because I beat the shit out of myself, like I succeeded. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. But then, but eventually, as you get to like higher and higher echelons, the pressure and the stakes get so high,
1: so that, does the that, that
0: strategy has to get increasingly. Strong, yeah. and it sort of passes the threshold where it's like it—you you start to crumble under it, right? And if that's if that's your primary strategy for motivating yourself,
1: whew,
0: hold like, on, man, yeah, like yeah, like of course you're going to feel like an consider imposter.
1: a little a real low range career <laughs> where it's not very stressful <laughs> if you have that type of motivational.
0: So mindset. one of the things I found really effective for imposter syndrome actually is cultivating alternate motivational strategies. Mm-hmm. Because if you, can, if you can get people to learn, hey, there are other pretty effective ways to motivate myself. And by the way, this is not a super high bar because it turns out beating the shit out of yourself is not a very effective motivational strategy. <laughs> it just seems like that because that's the only one you've ever had. Yeah. Um, but when you give people actual evidence, help them see evidence that like, there are other ways to motivate myself, then they can genuinely say like, oh, well, maybe I don't need... This other strategy, Mm -hmm. which is like intense self-criticism, and of course, if you're constantly telling yourself how not good enough you are and what you know how bad your work is, and like you're gonna start to feel that way eventually. Yeah, that's what you're telling yourself constantly. Like it shouldn't be surprised that that's how you're gonna start to feel on a regular basis.
1: I I had one client decide that he was um, he was gonna think of this in whenever it came up as. Uh, and, and reinforce it in this a strange way, where he'd say, "Yes, I'm the best imposter ever. <laughs> I went to medical school and passed all the exams. I went on residency <laughs> and passed all of those requirements. I've done, you know, years of operations and doing this and this. I'm the best imposter there ever was, you know. And it, and, and it was he was he would tell himself this other kind of right. imposter story. It was really funny, pretty effective for him.
0: Yeah. So using humor, kind of like irony and humor to.
1: Yeah. And just kind that. of balancing out like, yeah. man, if I'm an imposter, I went to a really um, far degree to make sure that I would be a good imposter. Right. Yeah.
0: I've never tested this in therapy as an intervention, but I think I have never particularly struggled with imposter syndrome. And I, I think one of the reasons is because I have been, I feel like especially start, I would say starting in college, but then especially in grad school, I was acutely aware of how unimpressive the people I expected to be super impressive were. <laughs> like you, I think you go, in a lot of fields, you go into the field. I, you just think like, once I get into med school, I'm going to be surrounded by all these brilliant doctors or like once I get into graduate school in psychology, I'm just gonna be surrounded by brilliant theorists who just like understand people on such a deep level oh, yeah, and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and then you get there and you're like, okay, there's a couple really smart, impressive people. Everybody else, yeah, you know, like they're <laughs> smart in their own like few little areas, right, uh-huh. but they're not that <laughs> impressive, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> they don't quite match up to that like so i think I think if you're paying attention, I think you get a very realistic v- view of the of other people in the world, which is like to some extent, we're all kind of flying by the seat of our pants. Like nobody is as impressive as they seem in your own mind.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So I, that's like a pet theory of mine that may be like encouraging people to, <laughs> to really look <laughs> with, like without those rose colored glasses to look for Im- imperfection in the people they admire and idolize. Uh-huh. What do you think of that? Is that a bad idea?
1: No, I I don't think that's a bad idea at all. I think I think the sooner you kind of bring down your your heroes to ground level realistically, the better because that's the only way you're going to improve, I think.
0: Yeah, sometimes I just wonder if that maybe that's like this like sneaky dynamic going on in imposter syndrome that that keeps people stuck in it is they've got this this like really false standard. Mm-hmm. Because they they're assuming everyone else is at, at this like elite level. Yeah. And if they're not, like, paying attention to how, you know, like, well, actually so-and-so, like, chief of the surgery department, like, he still screws up X number of surgeries every year or whatever, right? Like, <laughs> right. totally human. Don't worry like, about it. <laughs> 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 um, I, I'm making this stuff up. Like, uh, <laughs> um, but, you yeah, know, it's like the old, like, Michael Jordan thing. He, he made the – someone was asking him about, like, what it takes to be, like, a, you know, six-time NBA champion or whatever. And he, like, super deadpan and is, like – I have missed thirty-eight thousand four hundred sixty-one shots in my life. Something I don't know if that's an actual number, but like some obscenely high number, number of shots yeah. that he's missed. Yeah, and nobody thinks about that because Michael Jordan—he's the best ever. You, all you see is the highlight reel nah. of him, like making impossible shots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think I think that, I don't know. I, maybe that's a a, a a little strategy is to try out, is to kind of like look for those imperfections in people you. Uh, you admire
1: or, or or just have a sense of balance and reason about what's what's expected and what people are capable of. I mean a lot of these people like we said are perfectionistic, kind of driven in, in a lot of ways and they feel like they've got to you know th- there's a lot of that language I have to or I, I've right. got to measure up to but I think if you and,
0: can get outside of your own head like your own focus on your own faults mm-hmm. and instead look outward deliberately at look for yeah. faults in other people actually.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, really, because I think that to actually break down that myth. Start some
1: good downward comparison. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, you could take it too far like anything else, but. (laughs) Don't do that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Untested theory, but there you go.
1: (laughs) Hey, everyone. Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance, and if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.